Hey guys, this is John and Austin, and we're back with another episode of the Meet Justics podcast. Sorry about last week. I was out of the office for the majority of the week. Then when I got back on Friday, we were spending most of the day getting ready while well, me trying to get caught up and then getting ready for Bratfest. Um, Austin ran an almost heroic effort last week. I was shocked when I came in on Monday and he was here because he had one of my employees described it as I never saw him not doing the Austin fast walk. And for those of you who don't know, that's when Austin's got a lot to do. He will skitter all over the place. I have to consciously tell myself to slow down because I end up like, I also like start holding my breath too while I'm going. And so I just get into a spot where my body is so amped up and I'm going, I got I to gotta slow my walk down, remember to breathe. Yeah. It's not good at times. Breathing <laughs> exercises have helped me immensely over the last little bit of time here. So, um, all right. So getting right into it. Uh, first, we had Bratfest on Saturday. Uh, great event. We had a lot of great vendors out. Uh, we had some sausage to sell this time. Um, we had <laughs> an impromptu visit from a health inspector uh, who was pointing out some things to us. Uh, there was no documentation involved. So, you know, it also, yeah, if, if other people would have been involved, we might've been okay with what we were doing. We ended up having to take some product off mm-hmm. the shelf we were selling, but I say selling in like quotation marks, we're not really selling. Right. It. And that's what, what caused some of the issue is we were accepting donations, um, and then not keeping any of the money from the customers. All of it went to Air Wichita Air Capital Flyers. Yeah. Um, but there was just there was some minutiae stuff that was not up to their liking. So we just decided to not. It was easier in the moment to just go, okay, yep. then yep. try to fight it. Absolutely. So I think we made the right call there. Uh, but yeah, no, it was absolutely great. Um, do you know yet what the winning brat was? Because I do. Oh, okay. If you do, yes, I do. I know. I can't believe that Philly won. It no, just wasn't. that's a lie. The, these are lies he is spitting. <laughs> uh, the number two was jalapeno popper, which makes... Oh, I, I don't even know total the sense. whole list of stuff. I just you know, know the whole I list? I know one and two. Oh, That's okay. all. Which makes total sense because jalapeno popper is an absolutely delicious sausage, especially when you yep. put some mozzarella cheese in it. It is just knockout good. So that makes sense that that would be number two. I didn't make the jalapeno popper, though. That's... That's weird. I did, however, make the jambalaya, and that was the winner. Yeah, and that was the one that um, I told I told Josh. I'm like, we are not making that without John's blessing, because <laughs> that is. I, I think we talked about this, or maybe I was talking to somebody else. But like, out of all the sausages we did, like all of them can be like a large batch commercial production type of deal, except for, in my opinion, the jambalaya. The jambalaya is still like an artisan sausage. It needs to be a small batch handmade type of deal because there's so much more that goes into it. You can't just throw beef or pork in a grinder and a mixer with some seasoning and go. It requires a lot more time and patience. And so on one hand, I'm not shocked that it won. On the other hand, I'm slightly disappointed because I have to hear Forever. your crap for Forever. the next few, at least few weeks. They made but. a dozen sausages. I made one and beat them. 12 to 1, I beat you guys. That's how I'm viewing it right now. <laughs> I didn't say it made any sense. It's just how I'm viewing it. I view all of this as a team effort. That's fair point. 
But there is a me in team. But your sausage, in quotes, your sausage did win. Uh, So that sausage was um, like six and a half pounds of ham. It was then the rest of it split up mostly pork, but also a good amount of chicken and then a little bit of frozen shrimp. Ground all that separately. Uh, Then we mixed in the seasoning and we had some rice going. This is like one pound of rice and two pounds of chicken stock and just let that all absorb. And then you throw that in at the end after you've put it in the cooler because you don't want it to be hot when it goes in with the meat. Stuffed it all into a collagen casing and came out a winner. Speaking of winners, we are not in our normal studio today. Um, Oh yeah, so apologies for no video, but uh, sacrifices had to be made because we have an AC unit that's out. And so we're hoping to get a crane and the ACU AC unit replaced tomorrow. Which would be but awesome. No promises. Yeah. So for today, we're in one of the conference rooms and we decided we'd just do audio only. It's been an eventful couple of weeks here at Walton's. We've got a lot going on right now. I wouldn't mind if the world slowed down a couple notches. Just a bit. I would as well. Um, but we've got a couple of samples here to try. Excalibur sent me some seasoning shakers, uh, a One of them is a primetime black charcoal seasoning blend. One of them is a hickory smoked bacon flavored salt. I mean, you can't jam too many more good words than that. And then we've got Mexican street corn flavor paver. Don't like the flavor paver. I don't understand what that means. Neither do I. I You pave it with it? Pave the road? Did you ask for these or did Excalibur literally just go... Just send them and go, here, try these. No, I'm pretty sure I asked for this one, and then they sent the other ones along because. Okay. Because they were sending something, they might as well send a little bit more. Off of, like, first glance, I feel like the uh, the primetime black charcoal seasoning blend seems more um, cool and in the moment. No, I've, I think we're past those i think you think so i think that had its time and i think we're people are done with it yeah i personally i'm just i'm probably slow and behind the times i have in the over the last i don't know six months i've seen more of that type of thing than okay. i have like ever i didn't know that was really a thing for a long time but it's still weird to me mm-hmm. i don't I, i've never looked into what's why do you want to put activated charcoal in your seasoning it makes it look like not good weird and burnt and i mean it looks like a piece of charcoal now Mm -hmm. but the hickory bacon i mean that one i'm thinking it can't be bad bad and the mexican street corn i'm excited for that one for kids because my kids have an unhealthy obsession with corn on the cob right now (laughs) so (laughs) i i'm hoping that that one's a killer for them well i think all kids love corn on the cob because it's like a fun thing to eat with your hands but all right, which one do you want to try first? I say we try this yeah. abomination. To the prime time. The, it is prime time. It's called prime time black charcoal seasoning blend. Yeah, I'll take everything bad I said back. It's pretty good though. Yep. There is nothing wrong with that. That is very tasty. It's salt, dehydrated vegetables, which are carrot, garlic, and onion, sugar, dextrose, activated charcoal. So, yeah, that's very tasty. Do you taste the charcoal? I don't think so. Does it just, how, how'd you cook these? Just on the um, Camp Chef. 
Okay. So it wasn't like I pounded in them an a oven. little bit. Nope. I pounded them a little bit thinner, then put them on at 325. Okay. Because it, it doesn't taste to me like it was cooked over charcoal briquettes or something. No. I'm just wondering, is it is it a flavor enhancer like a like grill and grill out? When you add that to something, it tastes like it's been smoked. Yeah, th- this doesn't really doesn't like this doesn't taste super smoky to me. And you're right, it doesn't taste like it was cooked over charcoal. So it may just be mostly an appearance thing, but it is way better than I thought it would be. All right, let's move on yeah. to the Mexican street corn. Sweet. I'll take this piece you right here. You can take that piece if you want. I'm taking the the piece that weighs like, well, I'm not taking I'm going back for another one, but piece that weighs like a whole pound. So this has a very long ingredient statement, but it's mostly things like dehydrated, super sweet corn, jalapeno, garlic, cane and brown sugar, sea salt, maltodextrin, things like that. That is excellent. I'm a big fan of that. That is what I would say just really hits a good Mexican flavor. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like uh, Mexican food isn't like overly salty. It has like a lot of flavor, but not a lot of salt. If you added more salt to it, we get into a whole road here Even better. Of, of me wanting more salt on stuff. Like it would enhance flavor more. If I Normally when I first eat Mexican stuff, I'm like, it needs more salt to enhance that. But that's kind of the vibe I get on Mexican stuff is lots of flavor, but less salt than normal. And it just creates a, a I don't know, a different experience for your palate. But there's a lot of flavors happening there and yeah. it's, it's, it's good. I would have sworn that there was uh, cumin in here, but there's not. Really? Yeah. And what's the, what's the fluffy stuff? I don't know. But it's really is good. It, is that there? is a very, very good one. Um, there's also medium chain triglycerides in there, which is interesting because MCTs oh. are something I think of as like a health supplement, I was, not a seasoning thing. When I saw when I first I saw that a few days ago when I first uh, was messing with these, and I was going to ask you, what is that? I figured you would know. I have no idea what that is. Oh. It's something a lot of people take as like a, a health supplement. I've not seen it in seasonings maybe one other time, but that's interesting. Very, very tasty though. Um, if we are only, say we would only bring one of these in, well, we'll wait till the end. We'll wait till the end. All right, on to the last one. This is the hickory smoked bacon flavored salt. That is delicious. It's very good. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, first ingredient is salt. Second ingredient is sugar. Third ingredient is pink, pink Himalayan sea, or, yeah, sea salt. So salt is two of the first three ingredients. That one is definitely the saltiest among the group by far. Um. The bacon and the smoke flavor, a lot of times, like when you put that in something, it can overwhelm, and especially with the bacon, and then it tastes like a fake bacon, mm-hmm. and the smoke, similar thing. When you have too much of those, they taste, they really taste fake, but this is a nice balance. It's very good. That, that in theory, should be a big hit, mm-hmm. just because people like smoky things, people like bacon things, and that's going to go well on a lot of stuff. So if we were only to carry one of these, wh- which one would you think it should be? only one yeah if we were to oh if we only did one i would personally probably want the mexican street corn but that would be for your own personal 
I would, usage. I would assume that the hickory smoked bacon salt is going to be the best salt, one. Salt yeah. better. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I will get moving on that. We will get the Mexican. The Mexican street corn wine has like a nice heat to it. It kind of sneaks up on you. Yeah. A lot of the times when they put jalapeno stuff in something, you don't really get any heat from it. This, they managed to put a little bit of jalapeno spice in there. So I'm liking that. Okay. Now, I have not looked at this at all, but a couple weeks ago, we started a uh, poll through Meatgistics, and it was your favorite seasonings to use for different deer sausages. Um, we had one for bratwurst, one for snack stick, one for summer sausage, I think. Um, and I have not looked at these, so we're all going to experience them together, discover them together. I feel like we sound different in this room. It's... Definitely got a different sound. Yeah. I can't stop thinking of the uh, Saturday Night Live skit with um, uh, Alec Baldwin when they're doing the radio show and he has his, the chocolate, the sweaty, peach sweaty. You never seen it? And the two girls are always talking like this. I feel like we're talking like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. All right. Best deer seasoning. Let's see uh, what... The results were. Is this like an official poll or just like people commenting with their... No, no, no. Official poll. Official poll. Okay. Do we, do we have polls? What do you mean? Uh, it's like a questionnaire. Huh. Didn't know we could do that. Yeah. Entries. I don't care about entries. I want... I want answers. Sales tracking technology. No, maybe it's entries. Okay. Also, you might have to cover it for us for a little bit while I figure out how to get the information I want. Okay. Um, can I take over on the agenda list? Go ahead. Okay. So next thing up, uh, I, I want to jump to a different one, but it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the first one. I'm not going to steal your thunder. Because there's there's a, there's a couple things on here that are John specific stories. Um, Inc. Five thousand list. We made uh, a cool little list a couple weeks ago here called the Inc. Five thousand list. Uh, it's a deal where Inc. Magazine um, they have done it for years and years and years. Um, they go out, figure out, and find out. Ask people who who has grown X Y Z amount over the past. Uh, past three years and um we made it as number 4540 close to the end but we're still on the list that's we're the important it. thing but over the, the past three years um we've had some pretty good growth years um i don't know what all information they actually include in there so i don't know how much i should or shouldn't say but um <clears throat> we we doubled our business in the past in the past three years um we've continued to grow immensely and some of it is is and has been related to kind of covid 
type stuff. Um, some of it is because you have uh, John and I uh, doing things. I most mean, of it. Uh, yeah, most of the reason probably. But over the past three years, I mean, it's just, it's been a fun ride. We've had some crazy times, a lot of just hectic busyness um, uh, that comes with growth. But when you have growth, it also lets you do some really fun things. And uh, we are still looking at doing some fun things over the next couple of years. Um, so we're excited to make it on that list. Um, Tex, I think, posted something on on Meatgistics a couple of days ago. So a lot of a lot of our regular Meatgistics members have probably already seen it um, that it came out, and we got some back and forth on that. But um, just cool, different thing to uh, be a part of. Um, definitely a, a cool thing to look through and see who else is on the list. <clears throat> I always go through and try to figure out, are there other companies and people I know that are on it? Um, surprisingly, there was only two companies in Wichita that made it on the list. So we're one of two, two companies in Wichita that have seen that type of growth over the past three years. So kind of exciting there. Yeah. It's a huge honor to be allowed, not to be allowed. That's the wrong word to be included on that list. I mean, you think 5,000 sounds like a huge number, but it's really not. It's not that many companies. So we are right up there with... Especially considering over the past three years, there's been a lot of companies that have not grown. I mean, that includes that includes the entire COVID uh, era. 2020, 2021, 2022. Those three years. There's a lot of people who through COVID that suffered. Um, There's so a to lot of be one of the companies that grew like we have is uh, kind of a special deal, at least in my opinion. Okay, I got this. Sorry, I had to reactivate it to see what the results were. It's <laughs> stupid. Okay, um, a lot of companies that didn't make it during COVID not That's only true. didn't grow, but a lot of companies folded. Okay, so if you had to guess, what do you think the top two are for deer? for snack stick uh top for deer for snack stick uh <laughs> habanero barbecue and willies those are the two do you have any guesses in what the total percentage was on either one of those oh say willies was 50 and hob barbecue was 35 no uh willies was close to 50 I did not expect it to dominate quite that strongly, but it was 48, and then habanero was eight. So oh, barbecue smoke stick was five, pepper stick was seven, sweet chili flavor was five and a half. I was surprised by that. Hob stick was on there with some votes, uh, bacon flavored, and bourbon peppercorn. There's somebody out there who's Who loving that, that, right? I don't know. Um, I just I I I have a thing against like bourbon flavored sausage. Yep. I'm not a fan. Some people are. Some people love it. All right, for summer, what do you got? Top two. Oh. I mean, the top one has to be H, the other one jalapeno. Have you not looked at these? No. Okay. H at 30%, jalapeno at 14. Wisconsin was at 11. Tons was at 10. And habanero barbecue was at eight and a half. We got to We keep talking about it. We gotta, I know. We got to deal with our summer sausage flavors and yeah we got to deal with changes so i've spent almost my entire day in fact 
basically my entire day. I had a meeting with Google at 9 a.m. this morning that resolved nothing, literally nothing. The guy was nice, but he just, like, we got about halfway through. I'm like, okay, cool. And then he, like, tries to end the call. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, we haven't even addressed, like, you've given me nothing on why this is happening. So I was getting pretty, pretty worked up. <laughs> uh, so we have done so many little changes to try to see if something will start making it work like it's supposed to. Um, but yeah, that's been the majority of our day. All right. We're moving on to favorite deer jerky seasoning. These should be easy. Mm. No, it should no, 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 no. Jerky. Not easy. I'd say it would be probably the hardest one. Okay. So many people, people are touchy about their jerky. Um, and everybody thinks they make the best. And everyone thinks they make the best jerky ever. But it, that is like a, I mean, that's a, that's a fact. Everyone makes the best jerky. Um, which one? Colorado or Colorado Spicy? They're not both on there. They both, but one of them took the top spot. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying Colorado Spicy took the top spot. Not and in the top two. No. Nope. Did Colorado then? Not in the top two. <clears throat> that's wrong. No, it's Those not. Two. It's obvious what number one is. This is the... First one I would have guessed after Willie's. Bold. Mm-hmm. Um, so bold is number one with 27%. I just think, cause, I mean, there's, in my opinion, there's a lot of the jerky flavors that are better than Colorado. But I agree. so many people use it. We sell a ton of it. Um, so that's why I would I would guess that. But bold, if it's neither of those, then bold and these are not your average people though these are the meat justics people who are voting on this true uh bold and tex-mex nope barbecue nope sweet chipotle nope i'm trying not to pull up the list because you you give, you give me crap every time for oh you're it's one of all the described as having somehow almost imparter imparting a, like a buttery texture to your jerky I've brought that up a bunch of times when we've talked about this one. I have no idea. It's not teriyaki. Is it's not it? teriyaki. Thank goodness. No, I would have said something about how how you'd hate it. Pepper and garlic. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. No, the pepper and garlic. That's awesome. When, when we first brought that in, I was like, eh, this is going to be like a, a glorified Colorado. That's just a not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good, solid flavor, but it's just very basic. Right. But then I, then I, I made it and tried it, and I'm like, no, that's good. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely one of the better sausages or uh, jerky sausages. Yeah. All right, for just regular sausage, what are they? Brats or it just, like, I just took all sausage, like bratwurst, Italian, cured oh everything, goodness. put it into one. That's too big of a. That's too big of a group. You can't make a group that big. Ah oh, man. Uh it depends on how many people have tried it. If we're on the Meatistics group, though, I would like to say that people try them. Jalapeno popper should be on that list because, like we talked, if it was second at Bratfest, like that is it just missed. Dang, so that is it was number it was number three. Very good. Um, can you tell me are they both brats? I would assume they're both brats. Okay. Um, I knew I was going to eat all this chicken as we were going here, mostly so the sales guys can't have oh, any. Walk over to the door and just like eat it in front of the in sales guys. Knock on it a couple times and take a bite. Knock on Stare it again. Stare at them aggressively. 
Man, I don't know. I I feel like you do know the number one. Is it Blue Ribbon? It's Blue Ribbon. See, I just I do at, at twenty three percent. You you had me like psych psyching myself out on whether that should or shouldn't be in there. I figured that'd be kind of like a Colorado. It's too traditional mm -hmm. of a flavor. Yep. Now the difference though is is Blue Ribbon is a strong right flavor. It's traditional, but it's strong. It's and, good. Um, and it is one of the five, seven uh, actual bratwurst seasonings that probably would classify as a traditional bratwurst. Like Philly cheesesteak is not technically a bratwurst. It does not have the ingredients required to be considered a true bratwurst. Well, there is. No, that's the thing is there is no like. No, there is. For no. What like has to be in something for it to be called a bratwurst? Huh. That's why it's that's why our bratwurst category is so nuts. I'm almost 100% positive. Um, I forget what it's called now, but USDA has a very long document that goes through every type of sausage, every type of meat product, like country style ham versus country ham. What is a country ham? What's a country style ham? If it's a country ham, it can't be made in the city of Wichita. It would have to be made out in the country. The country. Right. So it like lays out everything like that. And I'm fairly sure that there isn't minus like i don't know i think there might be something for bratwurst but it's like yeah it's needs to be pork based it's made with pork and veal and seasoned with ginger nutmeg coriander or caraway has to have one of those to be like a true bratwurst now it's not like a usda thing like country style ham but that is what's in a traditional bratwurst yeah so what was the did you have a guess on number so two was philly number two uh Philly cheesesteak narrowly took the number two from other. From other? Other. Other was 10.5 and Philly was 10.7. So huh. pretty close. Crazy. Pretty close. But I like that. That was good. All right. Uh, let's hop to the, the story of uh, two weekends ago. I went... I have video of this, so we'll we'll release a bunch of it as we chop it up and do it. But when I went up to Canada, the Rapala guys were there. And Is that how you say it? See, I've always said Rapala, but they were saying Rapala, so I figured they know, right? So it may also just be how like I was interpreting a Minnesota accent. I you know whatever, <laughs> but they had you know like swag bags. I brought a ton of jerky and gave it out to everybody. Um, they had, I got a really nice long sleeve t-shirt. Anyways, they had this jerk bait, gorgeous jerk bait. Really, really nice. Day after I got home, I threw it out there, caught a fish in like five casts. Great. Took a picture of it, sent it to the guys. And a couple of days later, well, not this past Saturday, the Saturday before, I was like, I'm gonna go fishing for a while. So I go down to my pond and I'm fishing, jerking it and whack, get a good hit on it, set it bringing it up and as I'm reeling it in, I'm like, that's not that big. I'm just, I'm not gonna get down. I'm just gonna pull up the, you know, pull the fish up off the little thing, up, rise I was on, or onto the rise I was on. So I do that, get my thumb in its mouth and it goes ballistic, absolutely ballistic. And I felt a sharp pain in my hand <laughs> and I knew what it was before I even looked down. And so I've got, at this point, my line is tight, I've got, a one of three treble hooks on this lure through my hand. When he and says through, he means through. It went down in, back out. It was into the chunk of into a chunk of his hand. All the way. 
Um, and the fish is still hooked as well and shaking. So I'm like, I, I like paused. I was like, I don't know what to do here. So I kind of started laughing and I finally got it out of the, the hook out of the fish's mouth and I threw it. Um, and rather gently, I assume. I mean, I tossed it, but I didn't throw it. I put it back in the water <laughs> and I just kind of start laughing and I walk back to, um, my house and I, I'm looking at it and like awesome was describing it, the, the bottom of the hook where it rounds up is completely gone. It's completely in my hand. And the, the hook, the pointy part is, is sticking back out the skin. So I'm like, I can't get this out on my own. Like I, I'm not even going to be able to get this lure off the, um, pole by itself. So I texted my wife and had her, uh, come on out and, uh, we recorded some of that and we were talking about what we were going to do, how we we're going to get out. So what we determined, because I didn't want to lose the hook, is we push it the rest of the way through um, because the barb was just stuck in my skin, push down the barb and then back it out. So we pushed it all the way through, um, crimped down the barb as much as I could. But as I went to back it through, like I could feel that barb getting caught on things. So eventually we went and got some uh, tin snips from the garage, cut the hook off, which that was, that did not feel good. Honestly, the, the that was probably the most painful part of all of it because of the amount of pressure I had to put on it to cut through that, um, that hook. And then we took the oldest pair of needle nose pliers you will ever see. Uh, that I believe they're from the civil war and just <laughs> pulled it right through, uh, the whole way, hardly any blood. I'm pretty sure I did it. And like, if you're going to do it, I think that's the right place to do it. It was right at the bottom of my pinky finger. Like it kind of went through my callus and then came out the top of the pinky finger. Yeah. It like went in on like the, the pad uh -huh. and out the finger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the weird thing was when we were trying to push it through, my wife's like, you got to straighten out your finger. I'm like, I, I can't. Like it's like, you know, the hook is like holding it. So I kept trying to straighten out my finger, straighten out my finger. I eventually kind of got it. Um, but yeah, we were able to, to get it out. So, but I said in the video, I'm like, we are not going to the doctor for this. Like, I would rather die than go to the doctor over this. Well, you do realize that like tet tetanus is a thing that does kill you. It was you. a brand new hook. Ooh. It was a brand new if hook. If your neck starts getting stiff. My neck is always oh, stiff. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. So I do this weird thing where I can just kind of press my head down and forward and my whole neck and upper body or upper back pop and it always freaks Austin. That was creepy. Austin out. So yeah, that was uh that was my story from uh last weekend. All right, last thing before we get to um meat matters, which may actually be a short one. I did not have much time um <clears throat> this week to to look at those stories. Your father sent a a good amount of stories, which was helpful, but even then I could only glance at them. We got in a toy that I have wanted for quite some time. Um, a toy that in fact, when initially it became known that we were getting something, Austin did not want me told because he was afraid that I would ask about it every <laughs> 10 minutes until I had it. I was very good. I did not pester anybody. I did not um, uh, annoy, at least I don't think. Um, but we have a dry curing cabinet uh, it's a dry curing cabinet that hopefully we will be able to brand as Walton's. I have it in the test kitchen. Uh, it's the size of about, uh, it's bigger than a mini fridge, 
like a small mini fridge. It's more like a wine chiller. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a yeah. wine chiller size. Uh, it's got three racks in it. It's got a one hanging stick over the top if you want to put something like a a larger piece of meat off that. Um, so great for doing charcuterie, great for dry aging steaks, but I've got pepperoni in there right now. That is the thing I've been wanting to make forever. I feel really dumb. I never asked you what you put in there. Oh, yeah. I didn't know yeah. it was pepperoni. Yep. So, so I, what you do, um, I went and got some some good pork butts, sanitized everything like we recorded all the sanitation i did because i was just like nope that's getting sanitized that's getting sanitized. like i sanitized everything that it might possibly touch because that's you know that's one of the things that you're really concerned about here is growing bad mold bad bacteria because um, we want to grow bacteria during this process but we want it to be good bacteria so i used uh, the pepperoni unit seasoning i used sodium nitrite and i used the tspx uh, from CRH or CR Hansen, I think it is CH Hansen, CR Hansen. Um, and, uh, they say to use about a half a teaspoon for every 10 pounds of meat, um, which is a good kind of rule of thumb, I guess. Um, but to some degree you can add as much, you know, kind of quote unquote, um, of the TSPX as you want, because it's anything that doesn't have enough uh, sugars to feed on is just going to die. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to change the flavor of the sausage. There's nothing like that. Uh, there are two different bacterias in there. Uh, one is flavor development, color development, and aroma development. And the other one is I'm going to kill everything bad in here. Um, so we will do a, a full video on those, but they have been in, have they only been in since Monday? Oh, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. You made make stuff it. on Monday. I have not opened that yet, but it's been close a time or two. <laughs> uh, Where's we have to we have to find Dylan. You have to open it at some point to check the to check the pH. pH. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the top temperature it'll do right now is seventy two degrees, um, which is a little bit low for some of that, but uh, it has you can set the relative humidity way up there. Um, and those two things together, it just might increase the time it takes to achieve your your, P, your desired pH. It has not grown any mold, anything on it. As I was doing the... Um, you didn't add any mold to it. Did I did you? not. Okay. I didn't add a good mold. Uh, some, what he's talking about is sometimes people will add a harmless mold uh, and intentionally grow that so that it outcompetes any harmful mold. Uh, that's what we ended up doing on one of the two batches we did a couple of years ago. Um, but obviously I'm thrilled. I cannot wait to try that. I'm excited just cause it, it it's going to take some time because everything is such a slow process with it all, but we have one in, we're getting two more and they're all, they're going to, they're going to all end up being full. Prosciutto. And I mean, yeah, go buy thousand dollars worth of ham and just toss yeah. it in that big the, one. The amount of, of meat that you're going to make, and then we're going to get to eat and the amount of videos we're gonna have all this yeah. off this is gonna be amazing. Unreal. I, as soon as we get a second one, I'm starting a prosciutto and it is gonna sit in there for a full 180 days. We are going to, ooh, what if we sold that instead of, or not sold, sent that instead of jerky? Ooh. I mean, that's a. We're gonna have to make a lot of prosciutto. Yeah, so we get a, a couple big hams. 
So the the other two are a lot bigger right. than what this unit's going to be. So jam packed. I have to see. Yeah, we're going to have to load it up. How many should we do the big one? Do the big one. Do the biggest uh, do one the big we can. One. Yeah. yeah. Load it up and just make a ton of oh, prosciutto. I love prosciutto. It's out of all the charcuteries, cold cuts, whatever you want to call that whole line of things, that's my favorite thing to eat. That's just so good. I'm going to be excited. I still uh like I don't know. Every now and then I just get an itching and I'm like, I, I have to have something to go down to like Dylan's and just go to like the little uh-huh. fancy meat and cheese and olive section, get some like prosciutto, some Swiss uh, cheese, pepperoni. No, no, <laughs> no. Some like Asiago or something and some fancy olives and you just grab one of each of them, throw in your mouth. Yeah. Just that's oh, awesome. So good. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, I don't know if, did we talk about, yeah, we talked about the fact that I went to the doctor on the podcast, right? I think we have. Yeah. So I went I to a doctor so. for the first time in 25 years. Um, I had my blood checked for uh, superhero venom or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I wanted my testosterone to be low. I was hoping to get on TRT. I got the results back today and no, no TRT for me. Did you do like a whole like... Yeah, they did everything. Blood work. Yeah, the only thing he said, um, and he said it's probably... This guy's awesome. Because my blood pressure was like alarmingly high for me at least uh, when I went in to see him for the first time. And he's like, you don't look like you're nervous, but you haven't been to a doctor in forever because I filled out that pre-form. And he's like, you probably have a little bit of white lab coat syndrome going on right now. He's like, take one of these home and check. And once I got home, it was like 117 over 80 or something. Um, but yeah, they checked everything else. Uh, they said the like liver enzymes were, they weren't high, but they were close to the high level or something like that. Um, but he's like, that's probably just a, a lab error because everything else is, you know, right in range. So cool. Not cool. I wanted TRT. <laughs> I wanted to be walking around here with muscles popping out of my shirt. Uh, I can't help you there. Arr. I have lost like 15 pounds though. So I'm, what do you weigh right now? Um, I don't know. Are we going off of my scale or the doctor's scale? What's Whichever last? one's better. <clears throat> oh, then I'm going to say I weigh 203. Okay. Not bad. I'm 198 as of yesterday. I weighed myself today. Disappointed. I had, I had got ahead you of you and now I'm behind you yep. again. Yeah. Yeah. But. Fasting, man. Uh, that's okay. If I'm if I'm ahead of you, I'm I'm like two and a half inches taller than you, and I, I have more muscle mass than you. Neither so. of those things are <laughs> even close to being true. I am taller than you. You are taller but than me, just barely. That's, but I, do, I I probably should still weigh less than you because I don't have your muscle. Mass. I used to be five eight and three quarters. Um, she said she took pity on me and marked me as five eight, but she's like, you're five seven and seven eighths or something she's like you're shrinking I'm like, yep I'm not surprised my grandmother shrunk like oh my god by the time she died she was like four nine maybe a tiny tiny so yeah runs in my family all right let's run to uh meat matters or first do we have anything else we want to talk about nope okay number one alpha gal syndrome long island county a hot spot for tick borne meat allergy so obviously, if you've listened to this podcast at all in the past, you know that we talk about alpha-gal a lot. Uh, it is a protein that a tick, the usually the lone star tick, can transmit to a human. That then sets off a reaction when the human eats red meat. And 
I've seen different things on how strong that reaction can be. Some people say that it's just like a uh, like a irritable bowel syndrome, and other people are saying anaphylactic shock. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how bad really this is. Um, the one glimmer of hope is that uh, pigs that have been raised specifically for human uh, heart valve transplants, they give it some protein inhibitor that the meat from those animals does not trigger this reaction. So there is still some red meat that, that these people can eat, even though pork, you know, certainly not as good as beef. So this this article mentions something that I didn't know about before. Oh, I knew before today, but not before uh, a recent article I'd read um, when I did a podcast by myself like a month ago, give or take. Um, that was when, yeah, it was when you were fishing. Up in the- yeah. So um, they talked about in that article that a lot of people who end up uh, getting alpha-gal syndrome, it's, it's not like anaphylactic shock immediately when you eat something. It's like an hour... <laughs> three or four or five hours later. And so they call out in this one, like specifically a quote, like saying an hour or so later, I broke out in an itchy rash. So that's the creepy thing is that the more that we hear about it and the more that comes out, I wonder if there are like just more people that actually do have it. that get bit by the different ticks just because it's, you don't, not everybody just goes to anaphylactic shock. People could just be going, Oh, I ate something ate something bad and it's not like the worst thing ever but it's hours after you've ate all right don't look at your screen have did you read my note underneath it no how many people do you think have been diagnosed with alpha gal in the united states Two hundred fifty thousand. yeah it's even less than that it's really? one hundred and ten thousand. so it's a very very tiny i was wondering like how can doctors not know this well that's why doctors don't know it because it's a very rare disease i didn't i don't think i found it on that article i went and looked it up um, but it makes sense why doctors wouldn't know it. It's extremely rare and niche. And I only know it cause I'm obviously obsessed with eating meat and all things meat industry. I'm going back to, but also stay off Long Island. They have shark attacks there all the time now and they have ticks. So, uh, I, I think that 110,000 number is wrong. Um, I got it from the CDC. Yeah, I know, but uh i'm quoting the washington post oh okay i mean journalists would never lie so okay no so the washington post actually quotes the cdc on this and that uh here here's a quote out of the article that um i talked about when was this i don't know three weeks ago give or take uh just lost it there we go but researchers say the number of people who may have been affected is far higher the CDC estimates that as many as 450,000 people might have been affected by the condition since 2010. Okay. Because I mean, because of just knowing more about it, I think, and like it not being as severe at in the moment, it's because they're misdiagnosing kind of. Okay. Yeah. So it's still not a ton of people, right? I don't know. Well, if there was if there was another four hundred fifty thousand people that wanted to buy from us every year to make meat products, I, and, and I'd be in now. heaven. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, this is from uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. It says Kansas BHA helps prep new walk-in area for public hunting access. Good job, Kurt and everyone else who helped them out on this. 
Um, basically, uh, well, I'll just read it. Leaders and members of the Kansas chapter readied a newly enrolled 7,700-acre property for participation in the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks Walk-In Hunting Access Program in late July. The state's WIHA program has opened private land to public hunting since 1995. A crew of 19 volunteers and KDWP staff posted signage on 21 miles of perimeter fence on the property in south central Kansas. BHA members were able to help with a large public land project and got a sneak peek at the large acreage prior to going into the WIHA program, which is just walk-in hunting access. Uh, so good guys, BHA, good job. Um, obviously, I, if you're not in Kansas, you may or may not know this. We don't have a ton of walk-in uh, public land that we can just go hunt, at least not around here. Um, Western oh. Kansas is probably better. Yeah, but, Western Kansas is good, yeah. but yeah, to get to some good walk-in hunting, I, I you don't get to just drive ten minutes out of Wichita. Uh, you got to drive drive a bit, but kind of to be expected. Not gonna not gonna have as much around big cities, but we are. I don't know if you knew this or not, but we are the official sponsor of Kansas BHA service projects because um, we were uh, more or less was looking telling. Kurt was like, hey, we have this chunk of money. <laughs> I want to give it to you, and you need to somehow, let's put our name on something. Right, yeah, yeah. So, Because we had been sponsoring their uh, trash pickup project. I forget, what, I forget what they call that. Yeah, yeah. Pack, Pack out, out event. Yep. Yeah. And that kind of changed and did different things. And so and, and for us to be involved in a similar way, uh, we're, yeah, we sponsor all the various service projects they do now. So Awesome. Cool thing. Love Love seeing all that. Yeah, um, obviously, BHA is just just a different conservation group. I love I love those guys, and they they had uh, la laser shot at the uh, at the Broadfest, and I beat you at that. And, yeah, and it was so pheasant hunting, which I suck at. I I gave I gave them up. Uh, did you get to play the one game that they uh, weren't going to publicly? Was that the prairie dog shoot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I gave them up. I told my brother in laws, I'm like, hey, go ask them. <laughs> Go ask him to play this. It was like the very end of the day. Right. So they went over and asked him and they let him play it. They thought that was fun. That was hilarious. Yeah. No, the game was fun. It was a blast. All right. Wenzel's farm in Marshfield sets Guinness world record for longest meat stack or meat stick. Do you have any idea how long Wait. it is? No. Yeah. You saw it? No, but oh. we, I, we can't beat it. We can't. <laughs> Not a chance. How, Look how long, how long was is. it? 318 feet and 11 inches. Oh, no, we could do that. Dude, there's not even, what's a, a fully stuffed whole run of collagen? Oh, they're just hooking it together. There's no way that they had a collagen casing custom special made. For yeah. But they had to cook it all in that as well. So it couldn't just be a, you know, snack stick coiled on something. They then had to cook it. So... That's pretty awesome. Weird little uh, Guinness World Book of Records meat house thing, but not much else there. All right. Uh, smokehouse helps make ends meet. So this is from Meat and Poultry, and it's talking about uh, the problems that specifically bacon manufacturers, but also all meat processors are having with finding help. Um, but it says typically bacon operations are manual, can require up to 40 plus employees to operate, said John Bobak, the founder and CEO of Back Food Equipment. 
the exclusive distributor for the ProTech system in the United States. But our automated system takes just two people to fully operate. So one twentieth of the workforce needed if you don't have that. The industry has struggled to find labor for a while now, but the COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated this pain point and processors are now finding it even more difficult to staff their operations. In fact, meat plants in the United Kingdom are running 10 to 15% short of full labor capacity and the US counterparts aren't far behind. So we are going to see more of this. There will be more automation in these meat processing uh, facilities. I saw a video that um, whoever showed it to me asked me not to share who the um, company was, but it was a uh, salami and bologna processor. And it was literally, everything was automated. The racks get moved by a robot. Everything gets filled by a robot. Like there are 10 people and this is putting out thousands of pounds a day and 10 people staff it. So crazy. Yeah. Um, but that's what happens when people don't take these jobs. These businesses are going to be like, okay, well, it's just better to automate then. I don't have to deal with this in the future. Mm-hmm. And probably cheaper in the long run for them as well. Yeah, in the long run, I, I think it normally is because you don't have uh, PTO or sick days. You don't have holidays. It's just the piece of equipment's always there ready to run. Yep. Once you go to it, it's hard to go back. Until it breaks down. Once it breaks down... Then you start having some buyer's remorse, maybe. Because it's not just like, okay, call John back in. Let's have him work a second shift. It's get the special mechanic out here who knows how to fix this. Pay him $3,000 an hour, you know. True. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, This one was from Brent or Brett. Brent. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Brett. Uh, I think... My only excuse for that is I was about to say NPR. So Brent, I don't know. Uh, But it's from NPR. It says, ranchers want to take on top beef sellers by starting their own meat plants. Just four companies dominate the beef processing market. We've talked about that endlessly. That means higher prices for consumers and lower prices for ranchers who with cattle feeders are trying to build their own meat plants. This is from, uh, or quotes for some of these people. This is Elizabeth Rembert. Hundreds of cows crowd close to the edges of a pen to push their heads through a fence and to get the golden grains in a feed trough. Trey Wesselberger looks out at the cattle from his pickup. He works at the feed yard alongside his father-in-law outside of North Platte. Okay, sorry, that's not a quote. Obviously, that's a, um, what would you call that? A description? Yes. Yeah. Um, so now we're I'm just going to say the first names. Now, Trey is saying uh, these will probably be ready to to go here in the next 30 to 40 days, and they'll probably go to a large packer, and they'll be in the beef supply chain in 60 days. He says it takes three years of hard work to even get the cows to this point, and now the feed yard work starts. Cassie Lasser posts, I'm never going to get that last name correctly, uh, runs another feed yard in western Nebraska and says it operates kind of like how you can expect a clean bed at a hotel. So basically, if we skip all the way down, not all the way down, but most of the way down, um, they're talking about when ranchers a couple of years ago were really getting squeezed. It says, it was a new low as ranchers lost buyers and shoppers faced empty meat shelves. 
but it wasn't a new problem. For decades, companies like Tyson, Cargill, JBS, and National Beef have absorbed other meat processors, leaving fewer buyers to compete for animals. At the future home of the meat packing plant, about 100 people work to move dirt and drive trucks to the construction site. When sustainable beef is operational, it'll process around 1,500 cattle a day. That's roughly 1.5% of the nation's capacity. So we've talked about um, this sustainable beef a lot in the past, just because it's so many ranchers getting together and doing such a big operation uh, and ties to Walmart make me a little, mm, but you know, whatever. But it's big news in our industry and it's 1.5% of the industry. Mm -hmm. That goes to show you just how ridiculously huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. And it's, yeah. It, it, hope, hopefully stuff pans out. We've talked about a number of big plants that have talked about opening over the past year. And, um, that's, I mean, it's, that's kind of been a thing. There's, there's always talk of like someone starting a plant, this big new big guys coming in and stuff doesn't really materialize. So hopefully the ones that are in now, because of everything we've seen through, uh, like the COVID years and, and increase in, uh, the industry and whatnot, that it continues to, to push them and someone actually materializes out of this, but still a big plant like that. It's only gonna be one percent. Yep, it's just nuts. It's crazy. They say it's. They claim that they're not gonna be competing against the big four, which kind of disappoints me because I'm like, well, who? Who are you? Are you, you gonna compete against, against them, right? the yep. small guys? Because yep. that's I don't I don't like that. Then rather you compete it, it, at that size in theory, you have to be competing against the big four in some sense. Yep. You're you're not competing against the small guys. Next one's from Farm Progress. Um, it is. A dearth of beef replacement heifers. The July cattle report shows that cattle inventories are continuing to decrease in 2023. The total inventory of cattle and calves was 95.9 million head, down 6.7% from the recent cyclical peak in 2018 and just fractionally above the 2014 low. So we're almost as bad as we were in 2014. The July 1st beef cow herd was 29.4 million head down 9.3% from 2018 and 1.2% lower than 2014. I'm telling you, not good. It is bad. Uh, if you're in the Wichita, Kansas area, get in touch with Crables, get in touch with your local meat processor and order up a cow now. If you want to have beef at anything other than sky high prices, you're going to need to buy in bulk and you're going to need to schedule it out. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. So, all right, moving on. Um, meat, this is from Drovers. It says meat processing plants grow with local consumer demand. As more consum consumers seek locally sourced product to connect with the land, many farmers and ranchers are stepping up to meet the demand. The market for direct-to-consumer beef has grown substantially during the past decade, sustaining the need for processing facilities. COVID-19 fueled even more business for processors, and Oklahoma's regulatory agency took notice. In 2019, we had roughly 20% plants or inspected plants across the state. Now we're up to over 30, said Scott Yates, director of food safety division at the Oklahoma Department of Agricultural Food and Forestry. We had 15 inspectors in 2019, and we just hired the 30th a few weeks ago. That's crazy. That's awesome, though. Yeah, that's what, that's what we've seen a lot of across the country is 
uh, every state is just booming with new processors, which hasn't happened for 30 years. It's nuts. So to see all this, the, all these new guys popping up is just awesome. I thought I was earlier on to the train of like direct to consumer stuff, but I guess not. If they said it's been increasing for 10 years, I've really only been talking about it the last year and a half. So I guess I wasn't early on that train. Oh, well. All right. What has become a tradition, we are ending it with a shark story. Wait, why didn't I see this? Did um, you have it like hidden scroll? Kurt Ratzliff sent me this. Uh, it is from people.com and it is Idaho officials find strange shark on riverbank in landlocked stake, state. Dun, dun, dun. So a salmon shark is a close relative of a poor beagle, which is also a close relative of a great white shark. They look very similar to a great white shark. Uh, they have Are not different... all sharks like closely re related? No. A hammerhead and a great white have like vastly different lineages. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they just have different like teeth um, and they're much smaller. So not to be totally feared, uh, but officials suspected something fi fishy was happening along the Salmon River in Idaho. According to the Department of Fish and Game, a strange creature that turned out to be a shark was recently spotted on the banks of the Salmon River. Calls and emails came pouring in yesterday claiming that they found a shark washed up on the shores of the Salmon River. Idaho officials found an odd dead creature at the site referenced in the calls and later determined the animal was in fact a salmon shark. According to the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, salmon sharks can grow over 10 feet long, but their average is usually between six and a half and eight feet, maximum weight of eight, 660 pounds. Uh, Idaho officials don't believe the salmon shark came from the Salmon River and, sus and, suspect, and, that's, and suspects the creature was placed on the riverbank as a joke. Sure, you can say that all you want. That salmon shark swam up that river and... I'm just looking on the map like, what river did it come up? Like, is there a major, major river? It would have to be something that connects to the northern portion of the Pacific Ocean, obviously. Um, but the Salmon River. Like, that's the name of the river is the Salmon River. Yeah, it just doesn't look like there's... Doesn't look like it's big. I mean, obviously, it has to go to the West Coast somewhere. Sure, but I was expecting it to be like, what's what's the the big, shark is what's the big one that flows through like uh, the shark was like four feet long. It easily could have swam up. In fact, I'm not. I'm done saying could have. It did. People have forgotten that there were sharks in the Great Lakes. There was a time before we dammed up the Mississippi with all those locks. Sharks. Bull sharks swim all the way up into the Great Lakes. We don't want to think about that because we don't obviously want to deal with that thought. But they're they're finding more and more there are sharks that can absolutely tolerate fresh, brackish water. And bull sharks can tolerate fully fresh water. So and the fact that they think somebody caught the shark and then just, oh no, I'm sure somebody just placed it here as a joke. Or you have a shark in the river and now you have a problem that you don't want to deal with. It's the um, the mayor from Jaws all over again. <laughs> did you like your shark meme last night? I did like my shark meme. I'm glad I got that. <laughs> I'm glad I got that. So that that made me laugh. So sorry, everybody. Inside joke there. Yep. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Thanks. 
Thanks for checking out the Meat Logistics Podcast. To shop everything but the meat, head on over to Waltons.com. To get your meat processing questions answered by experts and enthusiasts alike, head on over to our online community at MeatGistics.com. Waltons, everything but the meat.